Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha, and thank you for joining me today on Behavior Babes Podcast. Today we have Wes Lowry. Wes, thank you for joining me on the show. No problem. Thanks (laughs) for having me. I'm excited. This is very exciting. Yeah, I know. We were talking so much. We were like, oh, we must hit record and start the episode. So I'm excited for our listeners to uh, learn about you as well uh, through the conversations. Let's begin by having you give them an introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, having me. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, My name is Wes Lowry. I'm a BCBA. I'm currently uh, located in uh, Southern California, San Diego. I've been practicing within the field of ABA since 2010. Uh, so I've been in uh, for quite a while now. Um, and uh, just, just just at the entry level, just like everyone else starts, we're at Ground Zero working with the kiddos within, uh, within the clinical setting, um, you know, building from there and learning and growing. Over the years, <clears throat> uh, after working within the clinical session, um, and I believe all ABAers who are, you know, tuning in right now can can agree, um, you know, we we tend to notice, um, you know, during lunchtime and during snack time, right, a lot of our uh, clients or the kids that we work with have restrictions or limited diet and things like that. And so being an athlete growing up um, and studying um, behavior analysis, I did both my undergrad and my graduate uh, program. I know that's kind of frowned upon sometimes in academia, but um, you can't go wrong with the University of South Texas. So uh, I say that <laughs> loud and proud. <laughs> I did both my undergrad and my uh, graduate uh, studies at the University of North Texas under, under in, the, in the Department of Behavioral Analysis. And um, just after learning so much, um, I, I, I started to question, I started to have these questions in regards to like, well, these are behaviors too, right? Not just social skills, not just, you know, daily living skills, not just communication. Right. There's there's behaviors everywhere. Right. And so when it comes down to nutrition, um, you know, exercise and just overall wellness, excuse me, um, I, I wanted to explore and see, OK, like what was what's here and what can we do with it? Um, and that's how, you know, transitioning into this next point, I got into um, ABA, but then health force and fitness. Um, started uh, my company back in 2018 called Team ABA LLC, um, where we do um, athletic training. Uh, we quantify performance um, across sports. We've currently worked across um, volleyball, football, soccer, um, tapped a little bit into golf. We're getting ready to bounce into a little bit of baseball. Um, uh, I think I mentioned basketball already, but if I didn't, basketball. Um, we've worked with some professional athletes during the NBA shootout um, in Vegas. Did some research studies out there. Um, collaborated with uh, Dr. Rick Cabina, um, doing some um, precision teaching stuff. Um, and that's where a lot of our uh, methodology comes from. Um, we found that um, precision sport is very valuable and very um effective in regards to uh, measuring outcomes and performance and really um, getting a good grasp on how to accelerate improving um, athletic performance and skills. From there, we've expanded into nutrition, 
um, and health and wellness. Uh, we've implemented a little bit of um, acceptance commitment therapy um, with, with our athletes, right? So building confidence, reducing negative self-talk, <clears throat> and really trying to, um, you know, make or help the athletes be the athletes that they want to be. You know, some, some you know, a, a lot of performance really starts um, here in the head, right? So if you believe you can, you most likely will. Um, or sometimes, you know, you perform uh, poorly on the court, whether it's on the first half or the first quarter, and you got to be able to shake it off by by the time of the of the second half, right? How do you do that? And that's where some of those kind of um, acceptance and commitment uh, uh, kind of uh, strategies and ideas come to play. Um, Jerry, I could just keep going, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Wes, there's. I'm going to, I'm going to use your language at you. There's so much to unpack there. So like, there's 10 episodes in your introduction alone. Um, I do appreciate that shout out to Dr. Rick Kubina, also a friend and colleague. I um, just admire his commitment and passion to the standard acceleration chart, to precision teaching and to looking at the rate of acceleration of progress. You know, I think sometimes when we're talking to health plans and for people who are providing services uh, to individuals with autism or ADHD or related, you know, uh, qualifying diagnoses, you know, we're talking about, well, how many objectives or how long, or when can I achieve this? And if we're not looking at the rate of acquisition and we're not looking at the aims and we're, then we are kind of, I think, throwing a dart in the dark. So thank you again for that shout out to that. Wanted to just mention that quickly before I start asking you, all my questions that I have. So yeah, people say, oh, I don't want to just work in autism. So how do I branch out? Uh, you're a clean, you know, clear example of that right now. But I know it's not an easy road. You talked about building in your past interests, your your experiences and so forth. But I'm really curious, how did you start the first conversation? Or how, what was that thought in your head where you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And here I go. Because that is a brave and beautiful and courageous and risky thing to do. Um, and I'm curious to hear about that for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. So I think for me, it started um, in grad school. So um, just like what I was kind of mentioning earlier, right, when I was working for the clinic out in uh, North Texas, <clears throat> um, I was very fortunate to be a part of a graduate program that, that allowed you to kind of explore whatever direction that you want to go in. I know other programs, which are fantastic, which are great, they require you to, you know, apply to a certain advisor and you gotta, you know, kind of stick to that track. Whereas uh, the program that I was enrolled in, um, we didn't necessarily have to select the advisor right off the bat. And you were mm -hmm. able to kind of bounce around from different areas within ABA. Um, and so based on what I noticed within the clinic and then based on my relationship with some of the advisors and graduate advisors that we had, um, I just had a sit down conversation with one of my professors and said, hey, like, this is what I'm interested in. Um, is this something that we can start looking into for doing research for? And that's where it all really starts for anyone who wants to get into, um, um, you know, kind of expanding out into health sports and fitness within ABA, right? We, you, you, you have to start with getting your hands dirty. Um, you have to start with knowing, right, um, your, your expertise. And if you don't know, or if you, you know, if, if you don't have that education, right, bringing on and collaborating with other professionals, right? So at that point, I didn't know 
um, a lot of the other stuff. That's why I brought in my graduate graduate advisor just to start. And then from there, we continued on just to dig through the literature. One of the first things that we wanted to really look at was how do we just increase physical activities with uh, children with autism within the clinic um, just to improve or just to increase heart rate. And so we started to explore, we started to dig, and then um, we started to, you know, just like we would from, um, you know, any other approach, we're trying to come up with it and with an in intervention strategy that's gonna be effective, but also motivating and reinforcing for our client. We then uh, <clears throat> went into the direction of, okay, how can we um, implement gamification within um, improving, um, you know, these, 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 these exercise routine or just, or just, or just run longer, right? Or just have fun. Um, and so we started to just really do our literature review, break it down. And then we started um, a lab, um, a, a graduate lab on, on campus. And so that, that, that sort of pushed me in that direction of uh, really, really getting started and having some ideas on kind of where to go. Shortly after that, um, I was very fortunate to meet um, who uh, one of the co-founders now, Team ABA, Kirk Kirby. He um, is. Uh, he used to play professional football. Um, got got into ABA um, with his wife. Him and his wife ran a clinic out in the D.C. Uh, Maryland area. Um, but he always had a passion for athletic and sports as well. So funny enough, we met at ABAI in San Diego. Um, mm -hmm. And those students who are listening in right now, highly encourage um, you guys who are thinking about going to conferences or anything like that, go. Like that, those are the places to be. Those are where you want to go in regards to networking, meeting other professionals that have like-minded ideas or being able to create new ideas and generate ideas. So I was very fortunate enough to be able to go to the ABAI and run into Kirk. And we literally just sat and chatted for hours and we just sort of nailed down like, this is what it will look like. This is how we should do it based on, you know, my experience, based on my very little experience that we did at my graduate program. Um, this is what I could bring to the table. And then, you know, with his experience from running a business, playing professional uh, sports, stuff like that, this is what he can bring to the table. And we just kind of merged that. Um, but at the same time, right, we didn't just start running with the ball from there, from 2018 to 2000, maybe mid-2019, all the way up to 2020. Um, we were just doing the research stuff as well. So we were um, trying, to, trying, trying, trying to recruit participants to do uh, research studies, trying to figure out because you know we're getting into because because like I said before, right? We do all precision sports. That's the adopted you know uh, methodology from uh, precision teaching. But we needed to know or we needed to learn what were some of the important characteristics of what makes athletic performance progress. So we talk about acceleration, right? We look at the um, previous literature for acceleration for improvement for academic school, right? We're, if we show a, a times 1.25, then that's like the standard of like, that's where progress goes. That same number doesn't apply to athletic performance, um, especially for professional performance, right? So, you know, we need to see, um, I believe it's uh, not as steep of a slope for athletic performance, for uh, 
athletes that are not professionals. But then when I was crunching a lot of data, because um, what I actually ended up doing was uh, dropping a lot of um, athletic or sports performance into the standard acceleration chart across athletic seasons or, or sports seasons, or football season, basketball season, um, and such. And what I was surprised to see was that when you get to the elite professional level across seasons, it's not about how well you improve, it's about how well you can maintain. So mm -hmm. your acceleration level should be pretty flat or close to flat, but it needs to be at a higher level. So you need to be able to perform higher numbers, but your mastery or criteria should still, should still be pretty level. And that right times 1.25 just it just doesn't really apply um but then there's also right there's, there's also limitations and, and other things like that and i and, and i talk about this idea also in my other uh um, um ce's and, and, and webinars is that um you know when we talk about um, training for acquisition skills and improving performance it's not just can they do the skill the same way as we would teach a a a you know task analysis of how to tie your shoes or brush your teeth. It's about not only can you do the skill, but you need to be the best at that skill. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's not just being the best against the other opponent. It's about being the best sometimes against your teammate because you have people competing against pe people competing to get scholarships or people competing to get the starting spot on the team. So there's that factor that plays a huge role. Um, within how you program, within how you train, how you get feedback. Um, and so um, it took us a long time to really nail down and do a lot of that research and, 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 and sort of figure out, okay, what would this look like? And what, and what can this look like in regards to improving athletic performance, um, not only just with the individual athlete, but then just with the team as a whole? What are measures that we should be looking at? How do we define those measures that we're looking at? Um, is this worthwhile? You know what I mean? Um, and so it really just breaks down to um, getting your hands dirty, uh, being willing to learn, um, not trying to jump the gun too, too, too soon with trying to get out and practice and you know, say that you are you know, whatever, um, that you can do as a practitioner, um, but really taking the time to, you know, figure out what this could look like, because there's not a lot of graduate programs that teach this, um, teach how to apply the science into behaviors in this form or fashion, right? We learned a great deal within our graduate programs of how to measure behavior, look at behavior, um, and, you know, analyze behavior, but it stops for a lot of people right there when you, when you step outside the developmental disability um, arena. And it gets very tough for people to see the bigger picture of how do I improve the overall quality of life still of this athlete or for this mother or for this, you know, young professional who either just wants to enjoy their, their recreational time playing ball or eat better or be able to address some of their uh, medical concerns that their doctor has prescribed to them, um, <clears throat> whether it's diabetes, health concerns, stuff like that, right? How do we look at and measure behaviors in those forms, oh, sorry, um, in those uh, industries 
to where we can make a difference. And like I said, what our overall goal is, improve the quality of life um, of our community. Yeah, I think that's a, a shared piece with behavior analysts and behavior analysis is we're all looking, hopefully, to improve the overall quality of life of whomever we're working with. The part that really resonates with me is, and you repeated it a couple of times, is get your hands dirty, show up. And from my own experiences, when people ask me, how do you branch out? How did you get interested in you know, sustainability and public policy? And it wasn't like I showed up and said, hi, my name's Dr. Amanda Kelly. Mm-mm, no way. I signed up to volunteer to watch the monk seals and to ask people not to touch them and uh, to sit outside with a sunscreen and a hat and umbrella, take data. And I remember it was probably a year into doing that when one of the scientists asked me a question because, you know, he's like, your data is great and you just made a really astute statement. He goes, what do you do for a living? Because it was a volunteer position. And I said, oh, I'm a behavior analyst. And he was like, wait a second, what? And he like understood enough of like what that would be. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you never told us that you're this doctor with this with this you know background. And I was like, it's okay. I waited till you asked, right? Like I was here to immerse myself in the community, to learn what was important, to learn what their measures were, to learn what their barriers were. And in many ways to make them mine uh, in that way is sustainability in the community where I was living. You're talking about improving very important things, uh, of course, but when you were talking about the acceleration, for people who aren't familiar with the acceleration chart or they don't have a visual in front of them, um, what I will just say is, I, I think you did a great job of giving that imagery. I'll just add that, yes, when you are fluent in something, when you are masterful or skilled at it, you're not going to be able to necessarily have this steep slope of, of there's not as much performance improvement potential with somebody who's at that mm-hmm. level. And so it really is that maintenance, that stability, but at that high level. To me, you talked about also building in research. So documenting that it's helpful or what is helpful or what isn't helpful. And I also really appreciated the statement you made where you said, what I learned from the data was this. And I think you said that more than once. And you, uh, to me, I, I take the inference of like, and it was a little surprising or okay. And that turned us in this direction and data can do that. Data does do that. Um, I'm currently supervising a student. She's like, oh, I'm frustrated. My data didn't go where I wanted it to. And I said, it is frustrating when we're working on prediction, but data goes wherever data wants to. And the story Mm -hmm. it tells us is still very informative. So what I'm hearing from you is if you want to get involved, get your hands dirty, you know, reach out, um, help if see a need, fill a need, Uh, find an area you're interested in. Like that's something that you had passion in and interest in and you were connecting it. I also really connect with you staying in your graduate program, multiple exemplars, multiple situations, multiple directions. I feel fortunate too. And I understand it's a rare experience, but I really share that in my program. One of the um, classmates, colleagues was working in animal behavior. And when she graduated, she was the now the BCBAD for the MSPCA in Boston. And I was like, what? Whoa, my mind. And so throughout the program, I got to see how we would apply this to animal behavior, to their owner's behaviors. And then um, actually I ended up uh, with jury duty 
And I had to start, <laughs> how do you define guilt? How do you define innocence? And I was like, oh, my mind is blown. And it, <laughs> it hurt to stretch that far when I was trying to learn. But I think you are um, emphasizing that being supported, being able to go in those directions um, allows us to freely think and bring in our expertise and our passions. So what are your current projects? What are you guys doing now? Can you give us any updates or insights into what's going on? Oh, goodness. Yes. What aren't we doing right now? So we have, uh, <laughs> we, we currently have a, uh, a gym in DC, I'm sorry, in the Maryland area, which I mentioned earlier, we do basketball training there. We do basketball leagues. Uh, we have a basketball team that we uh, run as well. Um, and so, um, and that's primarily for the youth um, and the way that we have it set up, which is, which is fantastic. I don't think any other program is doing this, but for the teams that we have in our program, our practices, we do all behavior analysis style practice. So um, we're doing fluency training, we're doing, you know, shaping, we're doing all that good stuff. Um, we do uh, volleyball there as well. Um, and then uh, again, right, we do we do a lot of CEUs and hosting. Uh, one thing that we have been expanding into um, is that dissemination of the science right outside of the, the uh, DD population. Um, so now we have um, coming up in a couple of weeks here, uh, November 1st, uh, we're starting our first uh, BCBA task list series. Um, when we, it's titled um, Applying the BCBA Task List to Health, um, Fitness, and Wellness. Nice. Um, yes. Yeah, to, where, to where we're starting out with essentially, right, like, what is it, like, how do we teach young grad students or undergraduate students um, the same concept and principles and the same science of behavior analysis, but just through the lens of health, sports, and fitness instead yeah. of school placement or autism care or OBM, which again, right, I am in full support of all those other um, areas. But I think one thing with behavior is, behavior is everywhere. Anything that's being managed, produced, distributed, sold, talked about, all involves someone's behavior. And that also includes health, nutrition, um, uh, and athletics, and so we 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 finished our first round, and we're getting ready to um, launch that one out no, November first. But we go over right description, control, prediction, determinism, right? What all that looks like um, um, within the sort of ABA sector, and then we're just going to continue building on and growing that series so that um, you know students or just young professionals who kind of just want to get a different perspective. I know some people learn on a more of like a 3D kind of dynamic, um, which we, you know, talking about uh, concepts and terminology and stuff like that, different examples. And I think this, and, and, and honestly, I, I think this will take our science to the next level because this will then allow people to help them analyze behavior on a more macro level. Um, you know, Skinner talks about some of his early work, right? Um, frequency count is the best way to really look at behavior and measure behavior but then you can have the same behavior just at different frequencies sorry you can have the same uh, topography of a behavior but if it's operating on different frequencies those are technically two different behaviors i think and i'm gonna say this with um, a little remorse but i think a lot of practitioners have gotten away from that sort of way of thinking 
Um, and I think that this will just help kind of revamp or kind of reboot that and really cut down, not cut down, but like help simplify behavior on a more global level of how we can make more of an impact. Meaning we're not just limiting ourselves to only what we do now, school setting, clinical-based or OBM, but really looking at kind of what you were saying earlier, right? The justice system. I think that that is the perfect, I actually was thinking about two weeks ago, right? How do we become more of a of a presence within our government or within the justice system? And, and are these things being operationally defined or are they being measured? Um, and, and then, but then also within other sciences, right? Or, um, you know, whatever it is, right? I, 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 I want us to be able to uh, feel more confident and feel more comfortable um, walking into those different rooms and saying, hey, I have a voice. Um, mm -hmm. I think this, I, I, I think these are things that we should consider in, in regards to improving or, um, you know, whatever performance or, you know, these social events. So, um, and this is the first step. Um, that I think is is going to lead us in the in the in, in the right direction of expanding sort of the curriculum of of ABA within that direction. Um, next, we have um, another series that we're going to be launching. It's going to be the Precision Health and Fitness Training. So this is going to be more geared towards professional um, uh, coaches, nutritionists, personal trainers, um, and things like that to kind of teach them um, the basics of um, behavior change. Uh, technology. So, you know, when you're working with your client as a personal trainer, right, are you, do you, do you realize that you're um, implementing um, some, in, some inadvertent reinforcement, right? Do you realize that you may be punishing some, 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 uh, some of your client's behaviors? Um, are you able to identify what some of the reinforcers are, right? It's like you yelling and screaming, you know, when they lift up the weight, like, is it actually operating as a, as a reinforcer or, or is it more just re reinforcing for you? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, um, creating that series, um, and that's going to be, um, launching in late November, um, creating a series for other professionals and other gyms. And again, right. I, I, I do want to stay home and take care of our community and our and, and our fellow ABAers, but I don't want to continue to keep talking to the mirror, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that whatever we're creating and, and, and whatever we're trying to put out there and broadcast is going to be able to touch the masses and be able to um, really, um, you know, benefit others. Um, and then I think the most recent one that's coming up is we have our health specialist certificate program. Um, that's going to be a, I believe it's a five-week course, five or six-week course, um, where you, you know, get to learn hands-on from um, a lot of our BCBAs who also double as um, nutritionists, uh, personal trainers. Some, one of our instructors is an actual uh, family nurse practitioner who has his own uh, practice out in the D.C. area. Um, and this is where we're starting to expand into healthcare um, and really trying to help out in that arena. Uh, Team ABA has become the first official organization to become in network with Medicaid as a non-autism ABA provider. So we are launching. Wait, um, I'm going to interrupt you there. I just want to pause 
to celebrate that. That statement cannot go just <laughs> as a, oh, and by the way, um, just, you know, in case you guys wanted to know, no, that's incredibly huge. That's, that's really pivotal. That is the sign of the opportunity for the field in many ways to shift. I also strongly connect to your statement of we got sick of talking to uh, the mirror, you know, um, it's great to educate. It's wonderful to disseminate. I love that you have these trainings to inspire, to ignite, to connect. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a whole world out there and that's mm-hmm. who I feel committed and that I committed to help. Right. And I'm, I'm definitely sensing that shared commitment here with you and your team. Thank and you. so congratulations on that. That's, that's monumental. And I think it's, it's, incredibly important to see that the value is there and recognized in a place where it's difficult sometimes to get those relationships. So uh, please continue, keep going. I just needed (laughs) to stop, celebrate, applaud, and recognize just how monumentous I I believe, I personally feel that that is for the field. And, and that's the work of you and your team. Yeah, no, we, we are, we are really excited because this, this is going to, just like I was saying earlier, right, we have a feminine nurse practitioner um, on staff, and that's where I was talking about before, like, we're going to walk into some of these other rooms and say, hey, we have something to say here. And so, you know, we are going into some of these medical offices and talking to physicians and talking with some of their, um, excuse me, their issues or concerns with, um, their clients who have diabetes, um, 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 other heart issues, or whatever, right? Um, to where, you know, they can do their jobs, right? As medical, you know, professional healthcare providers, they'll do their diagnosis, they'll make their recommendations. But then in between that first visit and then their six week follow up, right? What's going on in between there? That's where we come in, right? Yeah, usually nothing. Hey, yeah, usually yeah. we're doing nothing and we, we wait until like the day or the week before. And then we're like, yep, I did it. I tried that diet. I did that exercise, that, uh, right? Human behavior. Yeah, you, but you yeah, so, so yeah, exactly. And that's, and, that's, and, that's, and that's how we can really help benefit and make a huge impact within that industry is that, you know, when we, when we talk about measuring behavior, we solely think, right, from a BCPA perspective. No, no, I wouldn't say solely. The majority of us think solely from a three-term contingency sort of perspective, right? What's happening right before, what's happening, and then what happens right after that. Um, But when it comes to kind of behavior in regards to improving overall health and wellness, it has to to expand beyond that. And that's that's another thing Skinner talked about is like, you know, like, yeah, it should be accounted for. We just can't account account for it right now because we just don't have the technology. From my perspective, I think when people read that, it came off as if that's just not our territory. The way I'm seeing it is that what I'm doing right now is I'm, I don't think we have all the answers, but I do think it's worthwhile having a conversation. And I think it's worth at least talking about it and asking the questions and being in those other rooms and seeing, okay, hey, what is it that you guys are doing that's different from what we're doing and how can we sort of make this merger work? When it comes down to measuring and looking at behavior um, within that sort of realm, it has to expand beyond just your ABC, and we have to look at it on a more sort of macro level to where it is a stream of behavior 
And if it's a stream of behavior, then we're talking about more patterns of behavior. We're talking about behavior, patterns of behavior, we're talking about routines and habits. And so what ends up happening is for people who fall into these, fall into those unfortunate situations of those medical diagnoses where they need to change their diet, they need to change their exercise, they need to change whatever, what they're really asking is, what they're really saying is you need to change your routines. You need to mm-hmm. change your habits. And how do you do that? Well, first you identify what's the consequence that's maintaining these routines and these habits. And then you have to identify what are the antecedents that set in the events for these routines and these habits. So it's not just, did you eat the cookie? Yes or no. But it's like, okay, what set, what set of events or behaviors or occurrences um, set the occasion for you to not only just eat that one cookie, but tear down the whole bag of Oreos? You know, Wes, there's so many more questions I have about this. And also, I want to thank you because there's some ideas I have, and I'll follow up with you later. One okay. is just that brilliant idea of thinking of the task list and giving, uh, extracting how this would apply to, for me, I'm thinking sustainability, public policy, like what a cool exercise, even for myself. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Another thing I want to do is I want to connect you with some people, um, if you're interested. Uh, sure. They are not directly in the ABA field. Actually, neither one of them are. One is uh, works in, in broadcast, but with sports. And so there might be uh, some overlap there or connection. And another is a researcher who looks at the overall health and fitness of individuals with autism and intellectual disabilities. And how mm. do we increase that physical activity? Um, and, uh, and he's local here, uh, Dr. Brazendale. So I will get you some of that information oh, if useful. Uh, if not, maybe they're just excited and interested in what you're doing. So I think it would be worth the conversations. That is right up my alley. And I actually just got off a call uh, earlier this morning with a professional track athlete who's training for the Olympics. And then another person whose husband is a professional triathlete. Neither one of them have any background in ABA or behavior analysis. Um, but after meeting with them and speaking with them and kind of letting them know like, hey, this is what we do. And I think this is how we can help. They're both like, yeah, like let's 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 all get connected and see how we can make this work. Because when it comes down to performing at that level, you know, talent will take you only so far. But now the hard work has to start amongst the talented, and so that's where measurement, um, you know, um, precise uh, pinpointing, all that stuff, tracking the data is um, really makes a huge difference in regards to what's going to separate the goods from the greats and the greats from the elite. But I also think that a lot of people necessarily aren't aware of mm-hmm. how to observe the, the environmental variables that are essentially controlling their behaviors or, right, more nicer word to say, setting the occasion for behaviors to occur, right? So you might always find yourself late night snacking. You're just like, man, you wake up the next morning, like, oh, my stomach hurts. I don't know why I ended up doing this. You tell yourself the very next day, I'm not going to do it again. Same thing goes for smoking. Same thing goes for drinking. Same thing goes for, you know, you name it. And some of the issue is, just like I said, right, some people just may not, you know, be telling the truth or whatever the case is, but but there's a lot of antecedents or a lot of triggers that's happening in your environment that you just may not be aware of. I've talked about these as invisible antecedents because they're in your environment. And even though you may not necessarily think that there has an effect on your behavior, but in reality, 
right? Even though you're not attending to it, it doesn't mean that it's not necessarily playing a role within how the environment is dictating kind of what happens next. And so what we do is we help people identify this whole new way of doing an an FBA for athletic performance, nutrition and, and wellness through ABA to where, you know, we're asking similar questions, but we still want to stick to our, you know, seven dimensions and our basics, right? We, we want to know what's the function of a behavior, right? Um, we want to know, um, you know, what are some of the reinforcers that are in place? What are some of the, the, um, the setting events, right? But then also we take that whole ecological approach as well. That's okay. Tell me more about your everyday type of schedule. Tell me more about what's going on here and who is this you know, involved with. And so we just, it's this, it's this whole sort of new dynamic of how to necessarily assess behavior, how to intervene on behavior, um, and then how to maintain um, a lasting change for that behavior or performance. So. Yeah. And I would imagine, like you're saying, I wasn't implying that people wouldn't be honest. It was more of like, we can only help them as authentic and honest as they are with what they share, sure. um, you know, but certainly that awareness piece. And that's where you bring in things mm-hmm. like act. That's where I'm hearing my therapy sessions happening right here. You know, my therapist says to me, Amanda, I'm not telling you anything new. I said, that's fine, Carrie. I know that it's just when you deliver the message that is meaningful, you know, mm-hmm. and it is sometimes how having the partner, the accountability, the check-ins, the systems that that can be pivotal and life-changing. So learned so much from talking with you. And if you're interested, definitely have you back on a fur- further uh, a future show. Um, I'm definitely going to oh, come yeah. to your, some of your events as well, because I'm excited about learning more. You really, your passion is very clear here. Um, oh, it comes across, it, it just exude it. What, what's the website? Where can people go? Break it down for us. Yeah, so for CEs, um, webinars, online training, and for our courses, just go to teamabauniversity.com. You have everything there. Um, right now, we have our early bird special on the BCVA task list, CE, so get in, get in early. Um, and we have about 30 other hours of CEs as well. So if you need to renew, that's a good place to kind of sit down and kind of learn something new about that. Um, if you're looking for athletic training, we do in-person and virtual. That's just going to be teamabalc.com. If you're um, looking into nutrition uh, consulting, um, overall health and wellness, dealing with anxiety, um, or want to do some personal training, right? You just want to get back in the gym, but you know you need that motivation or you need to learn how to build that stronger routine or pattern, check us out at teamabawellness. Uh, dot com. Or you can just contact me directly. My uh, email will be wlowry uh, at teamabalc.com. And um, <clears throat> and then I, I, I don't know, do you, I don't know if you post, if you share social media stuff on here as well. I currently have your Instagram, you know, pages up right now. And I'm like, Team ABA University, Team ABA LLC, Team ABA Wellness. And I'm seeing those different branches that you're talking about. Um, and I actually, you know, just typed in, in the search team ABA and it all populated. So it's Perfect. really, you guys did great as well. You got a good marketing name and it comes right <laughs> up and uh, it's not confusing with anything else. Wes, thank you for your contributions to the field, for sharing your passions with people beyond uh, behavior analyst and, and really disseminating and branching behavior analysis really out there in the world. And 
for all your time today, just sharing your passion with us. Um, Really appreciate it. I will make sure I post and share all those links. And I'll also make sure that there's a direct link to this podcast if you're interested anytime uh, where people can find that by visiting www.behaviorbabe.com. 